Welcome to Tea Talk. All of life flows from the spiritual center of the culture. If this center is healthy, the culture becomes healthy. Tea Talk is a time of intrigue, investigation, insight, and inspiration, enabling you on your life's journey. Invest in your future by gleaning from today's session. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the little book of Jude. The little book of Jude. I think I remember a song by that name. Um, you know, uh, and I want to go to uh, a couple verses here. And if you'll look with me at verse 3, and it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that uh, you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, the word exhort you here is a military order. It's not a suggestion. It's not, well, this is a great idea. This is something wonderful if you want to do. But he's actually coming in and he's saying to the church, I'm giving a command. And there's no questions about it. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that you want to do. I'm giving a military order here. And the military order was, is that you can earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now in verse 5 it says, I will therefore put you in remembrance. Though you once knew this, how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now look in verse 5. This, he says, I want to remind you. How many of you know we need to be reminded from time to time? How many of you know a good pencil and paper is better than a short memory. I mean, you know, that's, that's really true, right? Uh, you know, I was with a pastor the other day and, he, he and I, we were talking about some things and he pulls out his notepad and he's just writing things. I'm thinking, man, I'm giving this guy some great revelation. So I asked him before we left, I said, do you do that all the time? He goes, yeah, because he said, I'll forget most of what we talked about by the time you leave here. I go, oh, maybe that's a habit I need to get into, you know? But I'm not going to do it when my wife's talking to me because then she thinks I'm not paying attention. Uh, but it kind of reminds me of uh, the other day a, a highway patrolman was uh, out on Interstate 35 and there were five elderly ladies that were on a trip and they were going down the road and, and they were going so slow. And so finally the patrolman, he got a little concerned, so he pulls them over. So he comes up to the lady and he said to the lady, he says, ma'am, he says, uh, uh, is there a problem? Let me see your license and your insurance. Is there a problem? And he said, she said, no, I'm, there's no problem. He says, well, why are you going the speed that you're going? She said, officer, I'll have you know I am not breaking the speed limit. When you're 75, 80, you can talk to highway patrolmen like that. She said, I want you to understand this. I'm not. Do you see that sign up there? It says 35. I'm going exactly 35 miles an hour. 
He said, well, ma'am, ma'am, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, now, you understand, that's not the speed limit. That's the number of the highway. She goes, oh, officer, I'm so sorry. Oh, my goodness. And he looks in the back, and there's three ladies sitting in the back, and their eyes are like this, and they're kind of nervous and, you know, kind of you know, kind of white in color, and, and the color's gone out of them. And, and you know, and, they, and, he, and he looked at it, and he said, ladies, are you all right? And they said, yes, officer. Well, what seems to be the problem, he said. He said, well, we just got off of Highway 183. <laughs> yeah, you better know what the signs are, all right? How many of you know we got signs happening around us all the time? Uh, and so, so we need to be able to know how to read the signs, but more so than that, we need to know what they mean. How many would agree with that, you know? And so when I begin to look into this, and, and the thing that captured me, uh, because every year, I, I'm not one of these that has to have a vision for every year. I don't have to have a dream or a trance or anything like that. But I do like to have some kind of sense of what God is up to, what God is doing. So in December, I take about three or four days, uh, right around that time, and I just get before the Lord. And I said, Lord, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit said that he would show us things to come. So I'm looking at a new year here, and I'm looking at a new time here, and I want you to uh, kind of give me a download what that might be if you so choose. And so the Lord began to speak to me over a three-day period, and he, and he took me to the number 19. 19 means three things, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I'm going to give the three things to you because I won't get to all three. See, I'm the long version. Bishop Ron's the short version, all right? <laughs> So, so, but, but it means this. Number one, it means faith. It means faith. And I'm going to explain what kind of faith that is. Number two, it means surrender. This is the second thing that it means. And number three, it means divine order for God's judgment. Now, it's very important we understand what this is, God is trying to talk about. Why? Because that there's coming such a download of revelation and visions to the body of Christ that it will be, we will be like the Apostle Paul. It says, there was given to me an abundance of revelation. The more revelation we have, the more you attract demonic attack. You see, people that don't have revelation, they're just giving out information. They're not attracting any attack, so they can just go on and everything's smooth. But many of you get a revelation, the enemy comes not to attack you, but attack the revelation in your life. Remember the Apostle Paul, he went out on a missions trip with Barnabas. And isn't it interesting, the only one that ever got stoned was Paul. You know, why? Because the enemy knows that what interrupts and disturbs his kingdom is the revelation of those that are walking in the kingdom of God. They're the ones that undo the works of darkness. It's through revelation and not information that can rout the enemy. You see, what has happened to us is we become experts at high tech and we're minute when it comes to high touch. Why? Because we don't want to pay the price for that revelation. Now listen to me. Anything of value is not easy. And what we have done is we've made the gospel and we've made churches and we've made mankind look for the easy way into the kingdom. And there's no easy way into the true kingdom of God. It's beyond our confession of Jesus. 
In fact, you go to Romans and you look it up in the, in, the, in the Greek structure, you'll find out that confession is not even the word. That's an English word. When you find it, the word is agree. Now you've gone deeper because you have to agree that Jesus is Lord. We cannot confess Him to be Lord because He's already Lord. He has been before the world was ever here. He will be before, when this world is taken out of here or whatever is going to take place. He is still Lord. He is still the one who is Lord. We don't confess Him into Lordship of our life. Even though you're not walking with Him, He's still Lord. It doesn't matter. What you have to come to is the fact you have to agree that now he is your Lord. Now that takes on a little bit depth here. I see why. Because the harder something is, the more value it has to us. Why don't we pursue God for our own word? Why do we have to wait for the prophet to give us a word? Because it's harder to get your word than it is for a prophet to look into the spirit and see a word for you. The other thing that is sad is that when a prophet gives us a word, it gives us something that makes us doubt God because it gives us options whether we want to accept it or not. We go from glory to glory. I, th- I want to change that term. We go from harder to harder. How many of you know the first song we learn is Amazing Grace? How many of you know the second song we learned is Happy Trails to You? I never promised you a rose garden. Harder. Why? Because if it's hard, it simply means it's new. You've never operated in that realm before, and God begins to take us into that dimension. And what God is doing is he's taking us off of the temporal, and he's putting us into the eternal. Why? Because the first word that he talks about here is this word faith. Faith. Now, As I was wrestling with this with God, God began to speak to me and he said, Terry, he says, I have honored the faith that people have had in me for a project that's temporal. You see, we have faith for a new car. We have faith for a house. We have faith for the salvation of our kids. We have faith for that. We have faith for that. We have faith for that. And it's all temporal. And what we have done is we have taught you a faith that makes you focus on the temporal, that sets you up to be disappointed when it doesn't happen. And so what happens? We set them up, they get disillusioned, and what happens? You have empty pews. And God says, for what I want to do here, I can't do under that kind of faith. The sacrifice people made. To them, it wasn't an act of sacrifice. It was an act of obedience. It was an act of, act of something that drove them, that they desired to do, that they wanted to do. And it looked like to the world that they sacrificed. Nobody sacrificed for us. They willfully believed in what this nation stood for and understood it, and they willingly went and gave their lives so you and I could sit here today. Why? Because they had a faith That was beyond temporal. This kind of faith is this. It's a faith that is persuaded. A faith that trusts. A faith that believes. A faith that has assurance. A faith that is confident. That's the kind of faith that they had. You see, what we have done is we put our faith only what's written here. Not the God who wrote it. I was 
for many years I worked with a, an apostle out of Tulsa. That's kind of a dichotomy of terms. How can you be an apostle in Tulsa? You know, the holy Mecca of the kingdom. But one day I was in a conference with her and, and a guy came up to her and he goes, I know everything about you. He said, every book that you've written, I've listened to your videos and your, and your audios. He said, I've listened to all that. He says, I know you. And she made a great statement. She said, you don't know me. She said, you only know what I wrote and what I spoke, but you don't know me. That's where we are in the kingdom today. We only know what he wrote. And we only know what he's speaking. But John 17 and 3 says it's to know him and his son, Jesus Christ. That's an element of faith. This kind of faith here is one that we're contending for. What was the faith that the saints were contending for? It was a faith that had eternity smattered all over the things that God had given him. It was a dimension of the resurrection power. It was a dimension of a state of being. It looked beyond their temporal situation and they looked into an eternal destination and they began to see this faith at a whole nother level. And God said in this year I'm going to begin to download to my people those that choose this kind of faith. Why? Because Jude says that we contend for that faith. Why? Because just like in the book of Jude here, we have a tendency to forget this kind of faith. You got saved because of resurrection power of faith. You got healed because of resurrection power of faith. You get a prophetic word because of resurrection power of faith. You get the Holy Spirit speaking to you because of resurrection power of faith. That's the very kind of faith that God is imparting to us. And we start out in this journey, and somewhere along the line, we lose that. And so now we're trying to muster faith. We got to hear more messages of faith. We got to, but you find somebody that is walking in that eternal resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no question in their mind that they're operating at a level of faith that only you and I are jealous to pursue. And Jude comes along and he says, Hey guys, I'm not talking about the faith that we started out with, I'm talking about the faith that the saints, the Abrahams, the Moses, the Davids, that they ended up with. They received their eternal reward. This is the kind of faith that we're talking about. You see, faith takes the ordinary and it brings the quality of the eternal upon it. It brings a different quality that's there. You see, their focus was not on this life, but it was the one to come. The early fathers understood this. There's an interesting passage, and I know we use this for family, but I want to give you the clarity of this word. It's found in Malachi chapter 4. And it says that he will return the heart of the children to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And we continually talk about that represents the spiritual fathers or the natural fathers, and their children are going to love them and things like that. But that's not what he's talking about in that verse at all. 
He's talking about the children of Israel returning back to the spiritual patriarchal fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those type of things. He said, that's what's going to happen. He said, because if we don't go back to that kind of faith, I'm going to come and what? I'm going to smite the land with a curse. Do we wonder what's going on in our nation? Do we wonder what's going on in the nations of the world? Why? Because we're trying to get them linked up with their earthly father, and there's nothing wrong with that. But where is the teachings of the Finneys? Where's the teaching of the Tozers? Where's the teaching of the Spurgeons? Where's the teaching of the Billy Grahams? Where's the teaching of the Gordons, of the, of, of the Jack Coes, and people like that, and Oral Roberts? Where is that teaching? We have lost it somewhere. Why? Because we are, uh, we're astonished at how they function, but we are minute when we understood what was behind it. I'll just tell you right now, it ain't working, is it? You followed the Hagen formula. You followed the E.W. Kenyon formula, and there was nothing wrong. We needed that in the body of Christ, and it was very important. But I'm telling you, this is another dimension. You remember in Luke chapter 17, the disciples couldn't cast a demon out. And so what do they do? They come to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, increase our faith. Strange question. Here they had the walking word in front of them. And they asked him, increase our faith. In other words, they saw a dimension of the eternal in Jesus that was not functioning in them. And what did Jesus say? He said, because of your unbelief. He said, this does not come out but through fasting and prayer. Many people say, well, you got to fast and pray to get rid of demons. No, what he was saying to them was, you got to fast and pray to get the unbelief out of you so you can get into an eternal dimension that I want to move through. It's all centered around resurrection. You see, this kind of faith has always got its eyes on the horizon. Always on the horizon. When I take off in a plane out of Houston and I'm headed to South America, I'm going to Bogota or Caracas or wherever I'm going, I know they're there. But I can't see them. But I'm moving in that direction. When you get your eyes on the eternal... You know it's there. You just keep flying. You just keep moving. You just keep going in that direction. Now let me say this to you. There was an encounter we had. I shared it yesterday. We had in Venezuela. I I taught for a week. And then the Spirit of God just moved upon us. And in this movement of God, he showed me a wall. And there were those that were on the other side of the wall And God says, I'm going to leave them right where they are. They've got as much teaching as they want. They've got their own doctrines. They've got their own understandings. They've got all that kind of stuff. But what I'm doing and where I'm going, I cannot use them. I will just allow them to continue to be an exhorter, an edifier, and a comforter to my people. But he says, I'm calling forth a people that will step on the other side of the wall. And he took us in and he stripped us down. Stripped us down to nothing. And I'm asking the Lord, what's the deal here? And the Lord says to me, you cannot use the old uniform in a new venue. You cannot use that. So he begins to dress us up. And I won't go into all the details. And then he knights us. He begins to knight us. All this is very clear to me. And I mean, we're in this holy hush before God. We were there probably about an hour, hour and a half. As God was opening this up. And God says, I'm moving people. Why? 
I'm moving people into this new zone, this new era. I'm moving them there because, you see, they received their orders from headquarters. They received their orders from the throne. And the sad part of it is, is because of the grace teaching that's gone out, it has diminished the throne of God. Faith. This is an eternal, this is seeing things in the spirit realm that you've never seen before. This is an assurance. This is a belief. This is a persuasion. Abraham, oh man. I had never read this. I've read Hebrews chapter 11, you know, many times. But it says, when he was in his temporal promise, said he wasn't satisfied. I'm giving you the paraphrase. Says he was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. He had had a touch of resurrection power that what was happening on earth, even though it was part of God's scale to get us to Jesus, to make it possible, he, he was not satisfied just to be one who lived in the promised land. He was only focused on getting over into that eternal faith that God had for him. Now we're talking about do we want the faith of Abraham, the father of faith. Phew. We see this again and again. You go over into Hebrews chapter 11 and it talks about, uh, verse 35, it talks about a better resurrection. A better resurrection. Go down to verse 38 and it talks about a dimension there. That's why they could have their families burnt. That's why they could be killed at the stake. That's why they, when, when they could be thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because they didn't go in there on their own. They went in in a dimension of resurrection power and everything that was on earth had to succumb to the resurrection power. It didn't matter whether I lost somebody. It didn't matter whether I had animals eaten on me. It didn't matter at all. Because you why? Because they understood this was so temporal. But we put a high value on the temporal and we put minimal value on the eternal. I was sitting with my pastor the other day and we were going over some things and I I just simply talked to him about what people support. People support big. If you do a big crusade, people will support it. If you're planting thousands of churches, people will support it. But when you're dealing with eternal things, they don't understand it, and you can go into poverty. That's why we're losing apostles and prophets. Because the people can't grasp it. But in the Old Testament, the New Testament, I think of this in Corinthians where Paul says, you know, don't do it grudgingly or of necessity. I mean, or out of necessity. But he says, do it willingly. What was he talking about? Jerusalem was in a famine, like, like Venezuela is right now. He says, that's what you give to. They can't give back to you. That's when you understand that you're obeying God and doing what God wants you to do. Thank you for joining today in your pursuit of perfection and peace of mind. For more experienced and valuable choices, visit our website, terrylthompson.org. Stay connected for more life-changing and reliable systems of thought and renewal.